Lord, we just praise you and lift your name on high. We glorify you for who you are. And Lord, we, uh, we stand here in deep, deep need. Because as we lift your name on high and we declare your holiness, Father, we, we are shocked. Our mouths are shut because of our unworthiness to even come to you in prayer. And so, Lord, we claim the blood of Christ. We claim his work on the cross on our behalf. And we claim that and boldly come before you now and pray that you'd open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our attention to be able to engage with you now. And meet us, Father. Meet us in all the messy, inconsistent, glorious stuff that makes us. Don't leave any of it out, Lord. Step right into it. And give us courage to believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. Hey, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Colossians. While you're doing that, uh, if you're leaving for fifth grade uh, class, there is no fifth grade class today. That's going to be next week. So if you're leaving for fifth grade... There is no class this week. Turn Colossians chapter 1. It's going to tell you that uh, these are an old pair of glasses. I broke my new pair of glasses this week. I know, it stinks, doesn't it? And uh, so was, we've got, with all this rain and stuff, I don't know if you're seeing this, but there's this, uh, this increased uh, collection of spider webs on my back porch. Do you have that? And I hate spiders. They just give me the weebie-jeebies. I'm sorry, you know? Hey, bro, what are you doing? Rusty, come on, man. You're messing with my prop, dude. I had it there for a reason. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and so uh, I walked out of my back porch Friday night. It was late. And, uh, you know, I flipped on the light of my, my uh, back porch, and this giant thing came flying down. You know, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and they were telling me that when I'm, I'm the best at not finishing stories. <laughs> you ever notice that? That I, re- I mine out of a story what I want out of it, and then I just leave the rest of you hanging. So, Colossians chapter 1. That's for you, Megan. All right. <laughs> Something flew between my glasses and my eye, and I swatted it. My glasses splattered on the wall, and anyway, so they're being repaired. We've been going through this series uh, in Colossians about hope, and why does it matter, and what's the role of hope in our lives, and we've been talking about this for several weeks. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that, uh, that how you frame your life matters, that how we frame beauty matters. That when we frame beauty, it draws the beauty out and we celebrate it. And how we frame our lives. And the gospel teaches us that we should frame our lives with hope. And so we've been trying to talk about and understand what does that mean. So a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, Renee and I came up here and we tried to show you hope with flesh on. We talked about that as we uh, live in hope or frame our lives in hope, that we uh, walk in God's will, we begin to understand spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
If you weren't here for that, uh, it was really talking about hope in marriage, especially when marriage goes south and uh, it's a train wreck, like ours was uh, early on in our lives. Then last week, we talked about that uh, when we live in this hope and we framed our lives in this hope, that hope needs to grow legs and that hope needs to walk uh, in a way that is worthy of the Lord and in a way that pleases Him in every way. And we talked about that last week. How do we live a life that's worthy? How do we please the Lord? Uh, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back on the web again and you can get that series. But what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks is what does that look like when hope grows legs and it walks? What does that literally look like? So let's go to Colossians chapter 1 and start in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you. Now he's praying for these guys and then we pray this for you, that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the kingdom of light. So there are four things in this passage that it's talking about. It's talking about fruit. It's talking about growing in knowledge. It's talking about having power. And it's talking about thankfulness or joyfulness. So this week, let's talk a little bit about fruit and about knowledge. And then next week, we'll dive into power and thankfulness. And what does that look like? So let's talk about fruit for a minute. <clears throat> are you fruity? Like, does your life, would you say that your life is fruity? That there's a lot of fruitiness to your life? I mean, it's kind of a weird concept, even for those of us that have read a lot of the Bible and have studied a lot of the Bible. When we talk about fruit, it's still kind of this vague idea of what does that mean? I mean, you've been a Christian for how many years? And would you say that you're just a fruit, fruit, fruit Christian? And this is a huge concept. You know, all throughout the Bible, we see words like seeds and trees and crops. And the word fruit is through there. I could read you 30 or 40 passages from Genesis to Revelation that talks about fruit as it pertains to our lives. A good return on the harvest, growth. You know, some would even say that this idea of fruit is what we're all about now as the church as God's people, that this sums up everything that we're about. Does that seem strange to you? I mean, do you wake up today or yesterday or this week and say, wow, you know, fruit, fruit. It's kind of like if you decided to go sign up for the cross-country team. Uh, is there anybody here that is on the cross-country team? Does anybody here run? Did anybody walk from your car to the chair that you're sitting in this morning? Okay, we have a couple. All right. You know, wouldn't it be strange if you signed up and you went to the first, you know, whatever gathering of the cross-country team, and you're standing there, and the coach looks at you and goes, uh, hey, are you going to change? You're like, well, change into what? Well, maybe some running shoes or some shorts. And you look at the coach and say, well, why would I do that? And he says, this is the cross-country team. 
oh, so you mean like when I joined the team, that meant like I had to run? Like, oh, we're actually running. Like literally. Seriously. That would be outrageous, wouldn't it? It'd be almost outrageous to say, hey, you're a believer in Christ. You are a fruit producer. That is what we are about. It's the nature of who we are. Let me read you a couple of passages. This is Romans chapter 7, and this is verse 4. Listen carefully. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. It's talking about salvation, man. We have been converted. We've been brought from death to life. Listen to the next sentence. In order, all this has happened in order, or because of, or as the result of, that you might bear fruit to God. All this happened in Romans 7, so that you might bear fruit to God. Okay, that's just one verse. How about John chapter 15, verse 8? This is talking about Jesus when he was talking about the vine and the branches. He says in verse 5, not 8, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will. Understand that will. You can underline that. Will, not maybe, not could be, not we keep our fingers crossed and we hope this is going to happen. No, will produce not just fruit, much fruit. John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit. Fruit that won't spoil. As a fruit bearer, I love this because he's just giving us a nickname here. It's kind of like shorty or like, what kind of nickname would you like to have? You know, like, yeah, Mark? Lefty, all right? Or like the hammer. Like, what does that mean? I don't know, but that would be kind of the enforcer. This is my buddy, the enforcer, you know? It says something, doesn't it? Even though we don't understand what it says. It says, as fruit bearers, that's our name, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. We bear fruit, and this fruit won't spoil. In fact, we have a name, and we are fruit bearers. Even in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking about, he's sharing the parable of the sower, and he throws the seed, some on good soil, some on rocky soil, some among thorns. Have you heard this story? And when it lands on good soil and good seed lands on good soil, it says it produces 160, sometimes 30 times what was sown. That when good seed lands on good soil, when the gospel comes into our hearts, the reaction of that in our lives is that we produce fruit. Not just fruit, but like lots of fruit. We become fruit bearers. <laughs> I don't know about you, but as I was studying this this week, I really struggled with that because uh, I'm not sure that I would examine my life and say, well, I'm a fruit bearer, the hammer, you know? That that's who I am. You know, and sometimes we don't feel very fruity. Some of you uh, may not even be tracking with what I'm saying right now because your attention span has already gone out the window and you're like, fruit, are you kidding me? If he says that word one more time, I'm going to scream. But you were made for this. And hear this. 
you were made for this. I'm going to use an illustration this morning that actually came out of a book I enjoy. It's uh, by David Needham called Birthright. Christian, do you know who you are? And it's an interesting story because uh, as the scripture often says that you will know a tree by its fruit, I thought it'd be kind of cool to bring a tree up. And I know that this, does anybody know what kind of tree this is? Red bud. Wow, you are awesome. You are a fruit bearer. We're going to call you the hammer, all right? That let's pretend that this is a crab apple tree. Would you pretend with me this morning? All right, because red bud, what kind of fruit does a red bud produce? Buds. I love that. No, okay, but nothing you can eat. So we're going to stick with the eaty fruity, all right? So let's pretend this is a crab apple tree. And in pretending that it's a crab apple ab- it's a new species. What are you laughing about? Crabidapple. That was the Greek, all right? The Latin terminology for crabidapple. All right. If this is a crabapple tree, what kind of fruit is this tree going to produce? Thank you. <laughs> crabapple. You know, uh, we laugh. We go, now, this is so simple. I could do this job. Do they really pay him to do this? No. Really, if this was a crabapple tree, it would produce crabapples. As a matter of fact, it would be crazy for us to expect that this would produce a cherry or a peach or even maybe gnips. Does anybody know what gnips are? You do? Has anybody been to Jamaica? Anyway, all right. And so it would be crazy for us to believe that. Matter of fact, it would be crazy if, like, you had this in your yard and you and your family are all sitting around, you know, in the wintertime and you're looking at it out the window and you're going, what kind of fruit do you think it's going to produce this year? I can't wait until the buds come and maybe nectarines, yes. What do you think? Matter of fact, let's do this. Let's all get our families together and let's wish that this would produce cherries this year, all right? And let's all positive thinking now, positive thinking, all thinking together. Let's let's focus our attention and make this produce cherries. Would that work? No. Matter of fact, We could even say, you know what, if this tree could just read books about cherries, like, man, here's a book on, like, how to be the best cherry tree in the world, and this book here, how to pray like a cherry tree, you know, and and this one here is like, God will increase the boundaries of your cherries, all right, and so now we, man, but still, no cherries, Now, if you know me, I grow a garden every year. My garden is a guessing game. You know, I always forget to put those little tabs, so we never know really what that's going to produce when it produces, but that's a side note, all right? How do we get this tree to produce something other than what it was made for? Matter of fact, Scripture says that when we are born into this world, we are fruit bearers, but the fruit that we bear is a bitter fruit, that the fruit that we bear is a fruit of darkness that the fruit that we bear is actually the fruit of death. It uses languages like bad fruit, thorn bushes, briars. The only way that I can actually turn a tree that produces the fruit of death into a tree that produces, say, golden delicious, you know, is to do something radical. Mmm, yeah. Well, I brought these with me today. And now... Well, I was about to make a really bad joke, and I'm not going to do it. And some of you that know me, you'd say, great. That the only way to do this is for me to create a drastic change in this tree. 
I know. Mm. We'll come back to this in just a minute. Uh, for me to produce, we'll stay away from the cherries. We'll go to apples now. Something has to happen. And what has to happen is I have to graft something new into this tree, right? So if you've ever done any grafting, actually you split the bark on the, on the original trunk of your tree. You take the, uh, the sapling from your apple and you can actually stick it into the bark and then attach it, wrap it, and in time, this will grow into an apple tree. Actually, the nutrients from the soil and the roots that come up through this tree will actually now grow a new tree and produce fruit that it never was intended to produce when it was born. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, uh, somebody give me a house Bible page for Romans chapter 6. 784. Just keep going left. Look at uh, verse 5. If we have been united with him, and this is talking about Christ, like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection, the newness of life. For we know that our old selves was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him, that something has been grafted into our lives now. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God and Jesus Christ. This is a radical idea that my life used to produce a fruit that had nothing to do with the kingdom of God. But when I became a believer, then the old was cut away and something new has been grafted into my life now. Something that's going to produce the fruit, not just the fruit of this world, but a heavenly fruit to the fact that now I am a fruit bearer. It is the, the very definition of who I am now. My whole identity is wrapped up in this new fruit that I have now been made to produce. Galatians 2.20 says it. It is no longer I who lives. You follow the illustration? But Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith. And the one who loved me and gave himself for me. There is a new reality now living in my life. And let's talk about this because here's the cool thing about everything. Okay, this was just a stick I found in the driveway. I could have used really something green. It would have been better. But follow the illustration. Even the buds on this are prepared to produce fruit. 
whether this is just a small little sample of the apple tree at this point or whether it's a massive tree that's producing tons of fruit, everything that is needed in this place right now. Everything. So whether you're mature or young, you have what it takes to be a fruit bearer. Because something, the very definition of who you are in Christ defines you as one that has been equipped and made worthy to produce fruit that is pleasing to the Father, like we talked about last week. So what is fruit? What is fruit? Amy, can you stick this up on the uh, screen? Because let's talk about the kind of fruit that this tree is going to produce. Scripture says that one of the fruits in Hebrews 13 is the fruit of praise. That my life now becomes about praising the one that has caused me to come to newness of life. The old is gone, the new has come. I've been brought from death to now life. And the, one of the fruits that I produce is praise. I give glory to the Lord, not just singing on Sunday morning, but even during the week, during my day, I praise. How about uh, Romans chapter 15, giving money? Isn't it crazy that now generosity is a fruit of Christ changing me into a new man? You know, it's really cool because now I see that I'm not just giving everything away half-heartedly or not thinking about it. I'm being led by the Spirit now to be a tool that God is using to invest in the furtherment of the kingdom of God. That I'm giving now, but I'm giving to invest. Just like I might invest in a stock that's going to pay me dividends, now I'm investing in the kingdom of God. Because guess what happened when the old got cut away and a new got grafted in? It's not about me anymore. This is glorious. Now I've been brought into a kingdom that's about more than just me. I'm not living for my safety. I'm not living for my protection. I'm not living for my own pleasure. I'm not living just to get everybody to celebrate me. I'm not living for my own pride or my own ego. Now I'm living to produce a fruit of praise to the Lord, and I even do it with my money. It radically changes the way that I view money. Or how about godly living in Hebrews chapter 12? You know, it's crazy about this kind of fruit here. It's going to radically change the way you view your sexuality. That's crazy, isn't it? That now you can produce fruit even in relation to your sexuality that brings praise to God. That reflects this new kingdom that you're a part of now. That you now are aligning your life with the one that has given you newness of life. And it's a desire of yours. It's actually something that you want to give yourself over to. Or I love this one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it talks about converts. That we long to have other people experience the, experiencing, the experience that we're experiencing in Christ. We want them to know our Savior. You know, it's funny. Uh, how many of y'all went to go see U2 in Atlanta uh, a couple weeks ago? All right. You know, earlier when I asked, does anybody jog? Nobody raised their hand, but I mentioned you too, and I'm getting hoops, hoo, yeah. Because I'm telling you, running stinks, all right? Let me just put it that way. You will stink after you run, and it stinks while you're doing it, all right? It hurts. Going to you too, man, we're talking celebration, right? And when we celebrate something, when we give praise to something, we want to share it with other people don't we? 
You know, what's funny is uh, I've taught, man, I can't tell you how many classes I've taught on evangelism or how to share your faith and, you know, countless things. But one of the things that I really laugh about is that most Christians don't have anything that's worth giving to other people. When you ask people that are walking in the Lord, do you honestly believe that you have something in your life that if other people had it, it would drastically change their lives? Well, maybe. So what's cool about this fruit is not only do we give praise to the Father, and not only does it begin to change our lives, not only do we begin to align our lives, but man, it fills us with something. It fills us with newness of life. And in that newness of life and in the excitement of experiencing that, we're excited about sharing that with other people. If you've never had that privilege of taking somebody's hand and the Holy Spirit working and, and leading them to that place to where they come to know the Lord, that's an exciting experience. And that's a fruit, that's one of the fruits the Scripture says we can expect to have in our lives as a believer. This new tree is going to produce that kind of fruit. And then I love the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, guys, going back to the books, you know, this isn't, mm, Jerry, 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 Jerry. This is the things that we expect when we have been grafted into the life of Christ. Why? Because they are him. Do you understand? Do you get it? If you are in Christ, you now have been uniquely made to produce supernatural fruit. The fruit of that which has been grafted in you, which is the life of Christ, in you the hope of glory. Are you tracking with me? Are you with me? Yes. Do you believe me? Yes. One or two. All right. What do we do with that? I was reading this week about Lance Armstrong. And, I mean, wow, this is like a workout sermon, isn't it? Are you going to feel like you need to go exercise after you leave here? I understand. So, Lance Armstrong, you probably already know this. He's won seven consecutive Tour de France's, France's, however you want to say it. And the Tour is a 2,200-mile bike race that spans over three weeks. And I don't know about you, maybe you've seen it on TV. This is not like, like I could possibly think about doing the Tour de France, 2,200 miles on a bicycle, if it was all downhill and all you had to do was just hang onto your handlebars. Maybe then I could do it. But I get winded walking up the stairs, you know? And these guys go over mountains. Have you seen this? They're going, I mean like, we're talking mountains that, they're just mountains, all right? You ever ridden a bike up Belmont Boulevard and had to get off and walk? These guys are going up <laughs> mountains, all right? And he's won this thing seven times. I can't even begin to tell you what a phenomenal feat this is that he won it seven times. Maybe you know this. And so people have done studies of him to try to figure out what makes Lance Armstrong so unique that the fruit of his life is seven Tour de France's. Listen to this. He has an oversized heart. And his heart can beat over 200 times a minute and thus pump an extraordinary large volume of blood and oxygen to his legs. 200 times a minute. Okay, that would mean death for us, all right? 
His VO2 max, now this is the amount of oxygen in his lungs and the amount it can take in, is an important measurement for an endurance, endurance athlete. Lance Armstrong's, well, we won't go into the technical language of it. His is really, really high. In other words, he can pump a lot of oxygen into his body, which feeds his legs, which keeps lactic acid from building up and freezing up his muscles and keep them loose and keep them moving at a very, very high rate of speed. He can operate with his heart going at 200, 200 beats a minute. His resting heart rate, I don't know what it is, but I bet it's like two. All right? So Ed Cole, Cole, who is the director of human performance laboratories at the University of Texas at Austin, has been studying Lance Armstrong before he won any of his races, all the way up through his cancer and to the winning of his last race. And you know what he's discovered? That as extraordinary as Lance Armstrong is, there is nothing different in his body than most premier, high-level, professional bikers. Nothing. He wasn't born with like an extra gene. He doesn't have a cape on his back. And so when asked, what's the difference? He says, he is a genius when it comes to training. His training. So, as we look at this tree that has been grafted into us in our lives, and we want to produce fruit, like lots of fruit, 100, 60, some 30, I want 100. Give me lots of fruit. I want it. Train. What does that mean? Listen to John chapter 15, because it's going to be different than what you think. This isn't a Nike slogan, just do it. This is a Christian slogan. It's done, do it. Something like that. As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love, and if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Okay. This is remarkable that Jesus says, remain in my love. Remain in the Father's love. A lot of you came in here and are not far into the concept that God is love. But here's what you may be far into the concept of. Your idea of God being love has given you an excuse to make your life full of suckers. And what I mean by that is when someone is grafting a tree in an orchard and they want their tree to produce a different brand of apple, one of the things that they have to be diligent about is when they come back, they know that this root system that's sucking moisture and nutrients from the soil and feeding that up in here to produce fruit, that the natural part of this lower trunk is going to produce sprigs and start growing. And anything that grows below the graft, anything below this is going to be a crab apple. It's not going to be a golden delicious. And so they had to come in and they have, to, they have to cut away anything that's growing below the graft. Some of us have made a, a Christian professional life out of allowing all this life to grow underneath the graft. And we, ex we excuse it. We say, well, God is love. And so that's, you know, I know I deal with anger, but everybody deals with something. You know, I know my life's a mess. I don't really have to deal with it. I don't have to cut anything away. I mean, come on, God is love, right? I mean, God will accept my crab apples, right? 
I know they're crab apples. But come on, God is love. You know, that sin in my life or where my marriage is or the way that I'm bitter about what God's not doing for me, I'm not going to really actually deal with that stuff. I mean, God is love, and I trust that he's going to work it out. But until he does, I'm not living above the graft. And we subtly allow sin to begin to deceive us into believing that life below the graft is just okay. So we're not filling our minds with the knowledge of understanding God's love. We're not training ourselves in knowing how to live out of the gospel. We're not filling ourselves with the energy of knowing what does fruit above the graph look like and how do I become diligent in allowing my heart to believe and live in the belief of that gospel. We allow everything to grow below the graft. Let's go back to Romans chapter 6. This is verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? In other words, should we just let this stuff below the graph just live? I mean, come on. Grace, grace, come on, you know? By no means. We died to sin. This is gone. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What does that mean? Well, let me wrap it up with this. Did you hear what I read just a minute ago? Where Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That the same love that the Holy Father gave to his perfect Son is the same love that we get from the Son. A perfect love. Do you get this? That God perfectly loves you like he did the Son. And because of that, every fruit in my life is the fruit of God's perfect love for me. Every fruit above the graft is the nurturing and the care of me drinking in the depth in which God loves me and has changed me and made me his own. And I grow in the knowledge of that and the desire to produce more fruit in that. So how does hope walk? Well, I know first I was made for fruit. And I grow in the knowledge of that by growing in the knowledge of God's deep love for me. And I feed that work. And we labor together to be fruity, don't we? So I just want to encourage you this morning as we get ready to wrap this time up. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you were made for? And are you living above the graft? Or do you find that you're consumed with below the graft? Guys, you were made for so much more. And we should be fruity. Right? That makes sense? All right? So let's pause for a minute. And I want to uh, tell you that we believe here at Midtown that, uh, that we don't discover dr- truth. It's revealed. We believe that uh, it's not me that is the teacher in this community. God may use me, but it's the Holy Spirit. So why don't we just pause for a moment? 
Because sometimes we go rushing out of here and we go, ah, man, you know, I can't believe you cut that tree in half. You know, and we miss completely what the Lord was doing. And let me ask you to stop for a minute and ask the Lord, Lord, what did you have for me today? What, what do you have for me? Maybe you revealed something to me that I need to write down. Or maybe I've got questions that I need to dive into. Or maybe there are things that you need to repent of. Things that you say, you know what, I just can't live like that anymore. What does he have for you? This ain't about Midtown. This ain't about me. This is not about music. This isn't about this building. This is about you right now stopping. If you dare to believe that God has something for you this morning, what is it? So let's just pause for a moment. It's a very cool thing that at the end of John chapter 15 where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches a couple of interesting things I just want to say I didn't have time to preach on it today but you know that in that whole passage fruit doesn't hang on the vine it only hangs on the branches why is that maybe think about it for a minute and at the end of that he says that the fruit one of the fruits of us drinking in God's love is our ability to love one another and I just want to ask you to practice that today. That when this service is over, would you take time to say hi to somebody? Maybe you see somebody here this morning that uh, is new or looks a little out of place or maybe just needs someone to come up and just say, hey, you know, um, just wanted to say hi. Or maybe a friend you've known for a long, long time that you know is hurting and you just need to take them to lunch today. What does that look like for you to be the fruit bearer of love? because you are the fruit victim of love. Okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the marvelous work of your kingdom that you have rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, that you have rescued us from sin's grip on us, that you, through your son Jesus Christ, has grafted a new life into us. And that new life is a fruit-bearing life. And Lord, I just thank you that uh, everything we need for that, you are the one that gives it to us. There's not a person in here that claims you as Lord that is deficient in the ability to live out this life because you are with them. So Lord, give us courage, give us repentance, give us strength. Lord, give us you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.